welcome to the tea party today is the second installation of the power of creating it starting with today is bringing amber jackson of the black leaf tea to talk all things black womanhood entrepreneurship and how are we trying to balance it all so grab some tea come back relax and get into this conversation uh, that we're having today Okay. There we go. Hi. Hey, Amber. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yes, hair. <laughs> yes. I got somewhere to be this week because I have to get it done. Indeed. I got a couple days and so my hair is kind of holding on by, you know, a thread at this moment, but we, we gonna <laughs> make it work. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Um, we decided to do this Power of Creating It uh, series to really celebrate Black Black History, Women's History Month with Black Women. How about that? So there Black Women History Month um, this March. And we want to celebrate Black women who are entrepreneurs, who are getting it done. And I'm going to make a title real quick. Um, but while I'm doing that, Amber, can you just tell us a little bit about you, about the Black Leaf Tea Company, and how you decided to to come up with it. Yeah, so thank you again for having me. Uh, like you said, my name is Amber Jackson. I am the owner and operator of the Black Leaf Tea and Culture Shop. So it is an online loose leaf tea and herbal blends company that also uses its platform to celebrate Black culture and engage the community through some programming that I do. So I do a monthly Young Black Professionals event and a conversation series called Tea Talks. I am a Chicago native living hey. in Providence, Rhode Island. So that says a lot on its own. I love it. Thanks so much. Uh, so why tea? What brought you to tea? I um, have been to tea. I, I went to, uh, I did a study exchange in, in Europe when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And at tea time at four o'clock is very serious. Everything stops and pause. You take your tea, you nap, and then you reset, and you come back for, like, family dinner. Um, so what brought you to tea and, and your love for tea? Yeah, honestly, it was something I grew up on. So I drank tea growing up a lot. So my household was more of a holistic, you drink some tea, take a nap, if something's wrong, unless it's something serious wrong, and that, that's the only way you can get a Tylenol. Um, I think also just growing up, uh, I've always – had a love for food and flavor and things like that so I actually did another interview this morning he's like yeah I did my research so your mom used to call you slow and steady I just died laughing I was like <laughs> yes because I, I will sit there and take an entire hour to eat a single plate of food because that I is genuinely, crazy I genuinely love and appreciate the experience of flavor and so uh, even academically my background is in food science so undergrad I, I studied nutrition and food science uh, grad school, food science, concentrating in product development. So everything just kind of worked together with me creating my business. Did you see this as a vision, you know, going into college or in grad school or was it after that? It was well after that. So I, and in school, I wanted to play with food. I wanted to create new flavors. And so it wasn't until I got to, I think my second year of grad school and I realized like, oh, I should have been a corporate chef working in a test kitchen because I hate working in labs. I I don't like the isolation of 
be working in labs, but I'm not the most isolated person, but I also enjoy people. Right. And it, it is, I was just like, I was miserable in grad school. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think I just have a, um, it kind of just came along at the right time. I think for me, I can genuinely say, I can look back on my life and say like, um, alignment has been almost divine. Yeah. Where I can literally pinpoint like A went to B and B went to C. Like I can pinpoint everything. If this did not happen, I would not be here. And so um, in a shorter way, when I was in grad school, my university, I never got the full story, but they somehow lost my research grant. And of course, as a wow. GA, <laughs> that's how I pay rent. So right. <laughs> my friend worked in athletics. He was like, oh, you used to be a, a D1 athlete. We have a spot over here. Just come meet with Dr. Miles. I met with her. I got the job. And I loved it. Wow. And um, I went home to Chicago for about a year and a half after graduation to be with my mom. Um, after that year and a half, I was tired of her. She was tired of me. So like, I could leave again. Bet. Because um, I like to have my own space. And for me, my own space means an entire region to myself. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> Relatable. Yes. And so when I got, it was funny because I left my athletic, my, sorry, collegiate athletic career so early. Once you leave that early, it's very hard to get back in. And so I had applied to a lot of jobs for about six months or so before I landed the job at Brown. Okay. Uh, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it got me back into the door. Um, okay. And even speaking of alignment, when I was at A&M for grad school, I interviewed at the American Athletic Conference in 2015, which was in Providence, Rhode Island. Wow. And so I actually visited Rhode Island about a year and a half before I got the job at Brown. Wow. And then you ended up there again. Yep. Mm -hmm. You Brown. mentioned a couple things. And, and last week we talked to Nate Marie um, mm -hmm. Taji. And one of the things, you know, you mentioned as well, like, your mother and her influence on you with your love of like food and flavors. And I, and I feel the same with my love for community. And I think a lot of times people think, you know, this, this uh, path is linear, right? Some people, I think, get it. Yeah. They, so they know exactly what they want to be. They go after it and it's just straight line. But I think for so many people, it is step by step, piece by piece of what you're saying, right? That the next step led to the next step. And I think what I can think looking back is like, oh, this was the design probably all along. This is this is who I am. Exactly. This, this is an extension of a family and legacy and love. Um, and so I think that's beautiful to, to tap into that. One of the things, and I love that you, you, ha you have a full science degree. I mean, that I think takes, you know what my dream Aside from that, it's like, I really wanted to be a pizza test taster. Just pizza. <laughs> and they was like, yeah, you got to go, like, to culinary school. Like, I said, oh, never mind. <laughs> no, you don't. I just want, I just want to taste the food. Like, <laughs> it's, it's honestly, it, there's so many routes. Once again, nothing, nothing has a linear path. Like, mm -hmm. even not finding that if I was my god awful fear of adding on to my grad school student loans, I would absolutely go back to school for either food history mm. or for wine studies. So actually, once okay. this becomes stable, my next venture is going into becoming a sommelier. But yes. um, I once again, I this has haunted me since I did this. So I was a track athlete in undergrad. Okay. And so I think it was my sophomore year. I had already, already qualified for regionals early. And I had taken food engineering. 
Okay. And my professor was so impressed with me. He invited me to do the study abroad program. Nice. The study abroad program was a wine appreciation course. Nice. So you just like the female version of court. I, <laughs> I did not go because in my little Im immature, immature mind, I was a student athlete and I qualified for regionals. So I can't go because I'm a student athlete on full scholarship. Yeah. And I'm in the school because I'm an athlete also academically too, but this is what pays my bills of being here. So right. I, it has haunted me since because they went to Greece, Italy, and France. Wine tasting for the summer. And my dumb ass stink. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been haunted by it ever since. And so I'm like, you know what? You can still go. Yes. And so I'm, I'm going to Italy actually this June. But it's just like, I... I love... And this actually is gonna be my first time out the country ever. I've never I've been to Canada, but I don't count that as going out the country. You're gonna uh, love it. Italy is beautiful. That's the last place I went before the pandemic. So mm -hmm. and I went with Jennifer, who yeah. you know from around. Yeah. Um, and it blew me away. And of course the wine. So I'm looking forward to it. But let's speak about that and like you know, we ha you have the tea blends and we'll get to that. But mm -hmm. you have these um first of all, let's talk about quality. <laughs> Because, you know, there's levels to this tea game, right? Mm -hmm. You have the Lipton black tea that you grew up on that mm -hmm. you felt like that was tea. It was it was standard. It was, it was a standard. Yeah. And you know what? As to your point, like, our parents used it when we got sick. And the steam and the black tea, it it worked. You know what I'm saying? It helped. It helped. It did what it needed to do. It that's all. It was all available. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, for me, one of the things that began to elevate the tea, Oprah did uh, this, um, I think she did a show, too, but then she did this uh, Tivana uh, partnership, mm -hmm. and my mom loves Oprah, and she knew I loved tea, <laughs> yep. and so beginning to go to Tivana at the store and being able to see all these different blends, and then taste them, and just realize I didn't know anything about tea. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, like, uh, even for myself, like, my knowledge of tea was very thin other than, like, I, you know, green tea. I know the oxidation process, but learning, like, the cultivation, how lighting affects it, um, the time, how a droughts or overwatering could affect the, the flavoring of the leaves. So it's a lot that goes into it. And so I just, I did a lot of research, a lot of, like, independent learning when I first started. Um it also just linking like Michelle. So I buy my tea leaves from a local vendor named Michelle Chang. And so she owns a uh, tea shop here in Rhode Island called Ceremony Tea. It's actually on Brown's campus. But she actually goes to China, Japan, and Taiwan. And she'll stay with the farmers for a couple weeks at a time. So she is wow. extremely particular. So I more than trust buying from her. But even then, like, she mentors me a lot. So I know when she went to Japan right before the pandemic, I think she was there for about two weeks and she stayed with the farmer and they let her take pictures and do some short recordings of the process of making ceremony and matcha. And so wow. being in the shop when they're like in the room and these like almost look like a hazmat suit and they devein each leaf by hand. So I'm like, what you get from wow. Duncan is not the ceremony. <laughs> not matcha. It. It's a commercial grade. But like they look they, it's, they have the different tarps for the different lighting so to get the certain flavor they like i said they are deveining can you imagine sitting in let's say the fall season leaves are on the ground you sit there you take each leaf and you peel each vein off one by one 
Well, you know, the thing about it is we do have some of those rituals, right? So we do that with mm -hmm. greens and, and green exactly. Uh, so, uh Picking black eyed peas. Like, those mm -hmm. are things Nothing that we yeah. used to do. Um, and I even going back to, like, even Caribbean uh, culture, like, where mm -hmm. they make their own ginger uh, yes. teas. And, you know, just part of, you know, the ritual mm -hmm. and i think you know we have just gotten away from that i, I remember peppermint tea and yeah. you know, people grabbing some leaves from the the i remember that from like my grand grandparents generation mm -hmm. that i feel like we have uh lost in in this need for speed but i wanted to talk about your quality so i ordered the i believe chai town first um <laughs> and i am a chai fanatic like like you can you can plug up an IV for me <laughs> <laughs> and just give me shy. Uh, but uh, your quality, I think, with the teas is just so visual. It's a, it's a whole experience, right? So it's visual. Mm -hmm. It is um, smell. It is mm -hmm. taste. It is uh, uh, you know just a, a whole experience. So tell me a little bit about like what how quality is. Um, you know, you know, uh, prioritize in, in your business? I think first and foremost, for me, it's important that anything that my name is on is going to be done right. Mm -hmm. um, also, because when I design these tea, these are all my designs. And so I put so much of myself into the things that I design. So I, it's not just, oh, like you created for commercial reasons to make money. But mm -hmm. I want to create an experience in the cup, really. Right. So even the, the names of them, it's like Money, Lotus, Shy Town. So Shy Towns are old to my home, Chicago. Um, each of them, I want to create an experience and a feeling for each customer. So you have to take your time and find the best quality, finding the actual measurements, the actual recipe that works best to really incite that feeling. So I think that that is why it's such a big priority to me is because, like I said, slow and steady. For me, flavor is... It, for me, it is almost ceremonial. It is, it a, is. a spiritual kind of vibe for me. Like, I will sit there. And I, like, even when we, you know, before food science, I wanted to be a chef. And I learned, like, how competitive it was. I was like, yeah, nope, so I'm going to be a scientist. <laughs> but uh, even then, like, I think that, once again, I want to go into, like, food history. It's amazing because you can tell a story about mm -hmm. someone or something. You, I can tell you who I am in a spoon. Absolutely. And I think... I have gotten that. I have quite a few blends now um, where they all, I think home is kind of my next favorite because it's, yeah. um, it's herbal and I don't need to do anything to, so quick and dirty. I have levels, you know, I have my uh, cheap Trader Joe's. I don't have time. I just need to throw something in there, yeah. get, get something real quick. And then I have my loose leaves that I, uh, I love and then how it slows you down both in mm -hmm. like needing to prepare it but then also in the taste and the sipping of it that it it, it creates pause right it creates yeah. this this pause in this ceremony um and i think this ritual uh around black people and black wellness right and I, mm -hmm. and how that connects for me is like you know of course tea different teas have various health benefits and we can kind of talk about that but then also i think there's a need for pause that a lot of black people and black women yes. specifically do not get or take for themselves and i think we're just now beginning to enter an era that we're pushing rest 
as a modality of wellness. So let's talk about a little bit how you feel tea and wellness intersect and then how do you create rest for yourself and pause for yourself? Yeah, I think just what you said, it really incites and uh, encourages people to take a minute. So even like the process, so it, you, you know, it's extra step from a bag to just pop it in a cup, pour water on top, but no, you have to actually like scoop it out yourself. You may have a favorite infuser or a favorite mug that you want to use and just being able to sit and encourage stillness, really. And like mm -hmm. you said, in the Black community, I feel like we are, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves constantly in the sense of, of struggle and, mm. you know, trying to outdo each other sometimes. Right. And you're also, you're just constantly trying to kind of, um, I guess, excel to the certain level of black excellence Oof. um i feel like for but also i think that we put that label on so many things it's great to we have to have a standard absolutely but at what point is it you recognizing like you know everyone has a sense of excellence and so i think it's also just finding that in yourself and not you know comparing yeah, absolutely absolutely um, even in business i think you know, especially in the earlier phases because of social media, you can see someone and be like, oh, they're doing great. You have no idea that they're almost a, a, a week away from being broke. You have exactly. no idea how much they cried and the right. headaches. And even like, you know, especially now, I'm trying to be much more conscious of my wellness, just reading more about like people like me. I, I just turned 30, but I think last year I read an article of this 27-year-old. She was an entrepreneur also, and she had a stroke yeah. at 27. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, people having brain aneurysms, heart attacks yeah. at, at early 30s. Like, this is insane. But also the amount of stress, uh, societal stress also. But uh, a lot of stresses that we put on ourselves also by comparing and trying to achieve a certain standard. But I think for myself, um, shout out to my, my therapist. Hey. I, I learned that for me to achieve a certain level of peace, I have to place value in who I am and less of what I do. Um, oh, that's a word. Let's repeat that I, again. I, yes, I think for, for me, like, yes, I, I think, well, one, I know who I am. I, my mother's a single mother. My parents are divorced. I was raised in the house with my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother. Wow, that's a blessing. Yes, my great-grandmother, she passed when I was 15. She was 98. So she wow. had her kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids grow up. But she had my grandmother was her first child. She had her at 40. Wow. In wow. And she had my great-aunt. I think she's three or five years younger than my grandmother. One of them. But um, I was raised by women. And I'm also the only girl in my family. I have brothers and I have boy cousins. So wow. a lot of pressure's on me. <laughs> it was very much a, uh, you raised your daughters and uh, you, you love your sons. So like, you baby your sons. But I'm the only daughter or female young body in the right. household. And so I think for me, at a younger age, really recognizing, like, why do I have to be the one that excels and be exceptional and they get to do whatever? And so the only loud applause I get is when I'm on honor roll, when I make yeah. state champion, when I'm excelling academically or athletically, that's when I get the most praise. But it's, you know, I, for me... And I think that's one thing also, especially now being 30, looking back and going through therapy. Right. I think first and foremost, acknowledging that they did the best with what they have. Absolutely. You can't give what you don't have. But no, as you know, absolutely. They just didn't have it to give. But also understanding that, you know, 
they my, my grandmother's divorced my mom's divorced my great-grandmother's a widow my aunt Shannon here should be divorced um that's the tea <laughs> girl we've been here for 20 plus years and they get no better but uh <laughs> i think that um yeah i think a lot of it, for them it was a lot of achieving some things through me because mm. uh, them, but also once again i i, I grew up in, i'm from south, i'm from inglewood in south south chicago so i grew up in the hood but also understanding the amount of privileges that i had because of them yeah um I, it just this amount of support that i have also the pressures of it but i do acknowledge that you know one i know where it comes from so what are you right. going to do about it and so i'm having to actively choose to work on placing that reallocating the value of my life so like I said lessen what I do so I'm not looking for the good job Amber and the love and praise that I only get when I do great things right and just being like you know you are a good person you are a kind person you are a very loving person right you have boundaries and you respect your boundaries right um and so I think that that is much easier said than done but it's a like it's a lot of it's a lot of work it is. It's a lot of unlearning. You said so many great things. Um, one of the things that st stood out for me, of course, is this living in a multi-generational home, which is something that used to be more common than it is now. I think one of the things we see with this assimilation of Black people moving mm -hmm. um, into more capitalistic, you know, we 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 going to more individuality than more of community. But yeah. I think there's so many lessons and rituals, some good, some bad. Uh, but definitely lessons of being able to watch several generations go through life, figure life out. It started raining. So I'm like, what's the noise? <laughs> um, and so um, I think that's a beautiful testament in how that begins to shape you. I am um, an only child. So uh, I, I kind of resonate with some of the things about the expectations. All their eggs were in this basket, like so mm -hmm. I needed to, to produce. Um, and again, you know, rewarded for uh, you know, great grades and excelling and doing things. But I, I do think um there was a value system too on character, right? And yeah, yeah. showing up right integrity and um and I really appreciate and loving people and mm -hmm. you know, supporting people. And um my both my mom and my dad did that very authentically in their spaces and so being able to see that visually I think has shaped my life's work and how I show up um sure. I think one of the things too we we don't talk about a lot in this um Instagram world social media world is everyone sees the glitz and the glam so they're like oh Amber you're, you're CEO <laughs> you're founder you got it together um and please this shit is hard. <laughs> I I can authentically, honestly say I had a mini mental breakdown last week alone. Indeed. I, I, uh, so full transparency, I started therapy because I, in the past, I had an issue, I had a harder time managing my anxiety and depression. Mm. And it was after I moved to Rhode Island, I started my job at Brown. So at Brown, I managed all 38 of our collegiate athletic teams by myself what it's, it's yes so and you're had, so young you would think so I, <laughs> that is a lot it's a lot of work plus i started my business a year and a half after i moved here so i'm doing my business plus managing them and it was actually i think i started my business 
a little bit after uh, I launched it a little bit after I started therapy, I believe. Okay. But it was actually I was with Jen actually. We went to lunch and I was just kept telling her like something something's wrong. So I don't know what it is, but something's off. And then lo and behold, the next day I got to work and I couldn't stop crying. Mm-hmm. Cannot tell you what it was. Mm-hmm. Nothing triggered me. I physically felt fine, but I couldn't stop crying. Right. I would go back and forth to the bathroom downstairs to get myself together, come back to my desk, and it was just like I like so I need help. Something is wrong. And I think it was that day or the day after I literally just Googled um, black woman therapist in Rhode Island and one popped up because it's Rhode Island. Uh, and I remember calling her and I was just heartbroken because her voice was straight to voicemail. And she's like, no, thanks for calling. Right. I'm not taking any new clients right now, but call back in the next couple of months. I'm like, couple of months? Like, girl, I need you now. <laughs> it was, I was like, what do you mean months? Uh, but I called back and I got her and she, she was phenomenal to work with and I was very intentional about being better yeah and so we were together for a little over a year and a half and I got to the point where I didn't have much to talk about anymore and so we paused my sessions but even that was so timely and I think imperative to when I started my business because there's a lot of not just stress but there's a lot of transparency and authenticity that comes with starting a business because not just starting a business you're creating a brand right Absolutely. And the beginning stages of your business, you are your brand. And it takes a lot to be that vulnerable to allow people in your space and that much into your life. Whereas it's like, I enjoy my <laughs> on my personal Instagram page. I might post like some funny stuff in like the, the stories, but I, I don't, I enjoy my privacy. And so it, I think doing the work in privacy and with my therapist was imperative to me growing my brand from the beginning of my business because I've started to become, I think I tell people all the time, like I didn't grow into like my full grown womanhood to like 26, going to 27 or whatever. Because you, like, you started, girl. So I read this article when I was 29 and, mm-hmm. and I had a breakdown uh, thinking I was, uh, when I turned 30, my life was about to be over. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Hey, um, and so okay. I read this article in Essence, and it was um, about Nia Long, and she's basically like, when you turn 30, you're not even half of the woman that you will become. Like, you're not even half of her. Yeah. And now I've just turned 40 in January, and mm-hmm. when I say she was right, and that's, that's what I'm excited like- for. Because for me personally, like, like I said, because I started therapy at, at like 27, I was so excited to turn 30. Like, I was asking nah. my friend Chloe. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, like, well, nurse, she's like, girl, don't nothing would happen when you turn 30, but you turn 30. I was like, <laughs> and she looked right. It was like, but honestly, just like, I, I, I think because I was so gun ho about doing the work on myself, it's just like, I'm excited about 30. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think also just like generationally, it was our parents talking about some, oh, turn, they start acting like old ladies at 30. It's just like, girl, I will be on a yacht in June in the Amalfi shaking my ass. The little bit that I got. Hey. Hey, Murphy, this June. Like, what old lady? Like, please. Life exactly. is starting for me. Exactly. Like, I, I agree. And definitely generational. And like mm-hmm. I think we're really redefining what that is uh, mm-hmm. at each each level. And we have, you know, Mary J. Blige and Taraji and Regina Hall, who I think Nia Long, who just uh are the epitome of like mm-hmm. aging on your own terms. Um, I, I did the same thing. So let's talk about that as far as business transition. When mm-hmm. I, um, I've been having through therapy for a lot of reasons. One for 
for loss. I had a stillborn. And then I began to really, um, and I and I went to a white therapist at that time. Okay. Because all the insurance, like it was, I wasn't really intentional about it. Even though I had studied psychology at Howard, like I was trying to get somewhere. Um, and then by the time I began to go to black therapists, I realized there was a, a definitely a much better environment, definitely shift in the yeah. way I approach therapy. And then I realized it was a disconnect with how our community was, especially then, you know, we're talking about 15, almost 20 years ago, like how we were connecting with um, our community. And, and at that point, nobody's really talking about it. Um, and so that was really kind of beginning of the launching path for starting with today. And But at the time when I was ready to transition and really begin to uh, put this to work, there were several uh, therapists that I worked with over the years. But one of the therapists I worked in when I first launched was very significant. I had another therapist by the time I was ready to exit my job. And we worked through strategies and stress and stress management and time management and prioritization um, to really begin to get what needs to happen in the next six months, what needs to happen. I believe we started maybe 18 months out when I was saying I was about to quit. Okay. And beginning to to really get a grasp on my anxiety during that time and then begin really to shift into time management and um, an exit, exit strategy. And I use my employer's EAP benefits <laughs> for that. <laughs> Um, and it was, you know, really helpful in as the process because starting a business and going to full-time entrepreneurship, as you know, is, um, not easy. It is, uh, I would say, uh, uh, one of the most excruciating, soul stretching a person can do. <laughs> That's the I nice feel like my soul it. just got stretched. And I, yes. I quit about six months before the pandemic. So mm -hmm. I didn't know the pandemic, of course, was Ooh. coming. Yeah. Do not recommend quitting <laughs> for a pandemic. <laughs> do not. Oh Zero, stars. Zero stars. Zero yeah. stars. <laughs> um, but uh, I've learned so much. It feels like I have been in a master class of life like just really like a phd hayes program of life in, mm -hmm. in entrepreneurship um and what it's taking to get you know a my head just back above water which i feel like it's where i am now mm -hmm. and then begin to see the vision of where we're headed moving forward um but i do appreciate now and i was the same way like i, I used to keep my accounts locked i used to like very this is personal this is business so now it's like what is my authentic self that I can bring to all my spaces and that way it's less tedious you know what I'm saying for me mm -hmm. um and and uh, to integrate you know both where it's not um gimmicky but you know like yeah. my uh, my authentic voice and I think mm -hmm. there's some people who do that really well I, I think for me Issa does that really well Issa mm -hmm. Ray um I think from there, I began to kind of say, oh, okay, well, I cuss in real life, so I can cuss here. I, I don't dress up, you know, you know, regularly, yeah. so I can kind of come how I would normally show up in my spaces mm -hmm. better and that be accepted and that be good enough and that be uh, worthy enough. And I think that's kind of what this thing, like, excellence on our own terms, right, and not necessarily what we think about as, as white um, standards. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, just transitioning. So for me, it's been four months, almost four months. Um, You're doing it. 
girl, it's, this is hard. I, I will know, say this is doing it. So my business will be three years old next month, but I am four months into full-time entrepreneurship. And so I think you did the right way. I We paused my sessions a year and a half ago, I think. And I, I am considering, I'm not considering, I am going to go back to therapy because this has been the most trying thing I've ever done. This is hands down the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It is. You know, in last year, one of the things, not last year, two years ago when the pandemic first the pandemic first started, you know, <laughs> I was fine. Um, and I had a call with my mom and she said, I just sounded off. And she saw this uh, at the time, you know, the insurance gap. And she was like, I saw on TV that Taraji was giving away free therapy sessions. So I signed you up and I look for a therapist and you have a, just need to schedule an appointment. Come on, mama. Come on, come through, mama. Come at that time I really didn't have enough I was drowning so I didn't have enough cognitive <laughs> capacity to really work through like an email a search and all that and she paired me up with um a therapist out of Bethesda Maryland a black lady um and she is phenomenal so where my other therapist was great getting me to this point mm -hmm. um and she had like her master's and she was great this one has like a PhD and she's like doing international work and she's like that she's that girl so yeah. it is getting to the root of stuff versus the sy symptoms of stuff mm -hmm. and it is it's so much work but to your point it's like therapy only works if you work with it it's if I've had homework assignments I've had to go and I report back to her kind of things but nothing for me it, it is entrepreneurship is a very full-time entrepreneurship is a very trying thing where now I am truly at the mercy of the consumer right and that is hard where i am so used to having so much control i can like if i have a slow month mm -hmm. that's okay because i still have a full a check coming in like my bills right. are still paid um now where even just the timing of it like i left my job fresh out of the startup phase and new to the growth phase and the thing with the growth phase is no one talks about the amount of capital required for a scale up and so and not just that a lot of most of the state grants at least for Rhode Island and most of the state grants now are solely designated for COVID even now it's still exactly. COVID designated but for someone like me where I actually made money in the pandemic not a lot like I'm not balling but right. it was beyond their standards of me needing money but I'm also a sole entrepreneur I run my business even to this day I run my business recycling revenue right but now i have to pay myself i need help and so i think i had to hire um and have to i chose to hire a strategy team because it's like okay i, I was ready to grow it um but yeah it, it's just the it's the strain like i was it's kind of before I work full time i had the excuse of like where well, i'm tired i gotta go to work i feel like i have to reschedule meetings or I, you know amber's busy because you know she's working full time but now i think it i was also shocked when the curtains pulled back and it's like there's so much to do and I remember one of my friends he called me the week after I left Brown and he was like so how's it going I was like there's only 24 hours in a day so what the <laughs> hell am I supposed to do with this like it's so much to do so it's much like, to do emails alone it like they they are forever to get through just emails and people just asking for to sponsor tea it's like 
no, I cannot keep giving away free tea. Like, yes, right. I can write off my taxes, but that's, I get that, no, that's next year. Like, my right. bills are for today. <laughs> um, <laughs> so even then, like, learning to, when to say no to some things. Yes. Um, ultimately, I think I've done a pretty good job of, like, move, maneuvering in the way in which my business is organically going. Yeah. But even, like, now, my individual sales are down, but my wholesales are skyrocketing. So good. that's where I'm, my main attention is. And also, like, I chose to be an online business from the jump in 2019 because I did not want to limit myself to Rhode Island. Right. Because this is a coffee and beer. I can't say coffee. It's a Dunkin' and beer region. Wow. It's, okay. uh, yes. Uh, well, Dunkin' is headquartered in Boston an hour okay. away. So it's all, you cannot go more than 20 yards and not see a Dunkin' somewhere around here. Um, but even this, like, I am a national brand. Right. Growing a national brand by yourself is a really dope hard. national brand. And if you have not <laughs> ordered Black Leaf Tea, do yourself a favor just for the marketing and packaging and presentation Thank alone. You. you will be blown away. Like, <laughs> blown away. Like, it's so good. It's so intentional. Um, it's so inspiring. Um, and I think one of the things, too, like, you know, definitely... I think a lot of people thought, you know, there's been, of course, there's the, the PPP scandal and, like, you know, uh, people thinking, like, oh, you're good. Like, no, we've had to, like, you know, <laughs> rely on basically goodwill and, you know, mm -hmm. showing up and um, keeping the doors open for sure. So I, I definitely get that. And I think, you know, talk a little bit about scale. So let's talk about that. Now, it's something we skyrocketed during um, COVID as far as reach and programming, um, but our funding didn't necessarily catch up with it. Um, and so I think just now we kind of to catch up to what it needs to be to sustain that, right? So let's talk a little bit about scaling since, um, and what has been, you know, your biggest pain point and what has been your biggest, like, joy in the scaling piece? I'll start up with the joy because I don't want to think it's all doom and gloom when it comes to entrepreneurship. Yeah. I think for me, it, it's really expanding the the branding and having people really just say, like, they genuinely enjoy not just my teas and the, the, the blends I create, but they enjoy the programming that I have. Yeah. And so I created, I not, well, didn't create. Young Black Professionals is not new. It is originally like a subgroup of the Urban League. Yeah. And when I moved here, I looked for the Urban League, which is apparently inactive. Mm. Like I'm from Chicago to undergrad and grad school down south. And so I it is unheard of to experience an inactive urban league. Right. And then the closest one is in Boston an hour away. I'm not oh. driving right to Boston to have these kind of programs. So I just created it on my own. Nice. Um just really having experience was like, well, being new to this area and not really exploring it as much but off the back if i'm coming for a job you're going to go around where your job is which for me is east side of providence where brown is right. and it is very white right. and so my coworkers are very nice people they would take me out to places and i was either the only black person or the only black woman in the bar restaurant whatever and of course it's a very uncomfortable feeling and so i know if i had as a transplant if i had this experience other ones did as well, and they also did too because I would meet people um, after a while, and they're like, "Yeah, I can't wait to leave because why would I stay if I don't see me here?" Right. Um, so just creating those spaces to really amplify the beings of Black people and their voices as well, which is what the, I created the T tops for. So I replicated that from um, the Grapevine. It's a mm -hmm. YouTube series by Ashley Acuna, 
And so it's basically over, open conversations discussing uh, current events, cultural topics, dating, sex, relationships, whatever that affects us on a day-to-day basis. And pre-pandemic, I had it in person. Nice. It was a Black-only space. Nice. Um, so ironically, most of my customers are white women, and they were very, very respectful. Like, they would ask, like, hey, can we come just listen? I was like, no. Uh, I appreciate your support, but this is mm-hmm. for us because I don't want them to feel like that to, like, bite their tongue or potentially hold back on the fender like no right. for us but it's also not a kumbaya circle like i encourage you all to like first and foremost listen to you know understand and not respond but actually listen to each other mm-hmm. and challenge ideas because that's how progression happens it's Absolutely. a challenging of ideas and understanding that your way of thinking is not the sole way of thinking that you're not always right also so it was really a space to amplify these voices and um challenge ideas um, so I, I was really happy that I got to create that, especially when the pandemic hit, I had to switch to doing it virtually, but that allowed me to have a much broader audience. Yeah. So I have, I, you know, my first virtual one was Black Girls Gardening, and I had Dominique from Plots and Plants for um, DC. Absolutely. Um, Very familiar. Yeah, I had two people here in Rhode Island, so Georgina and Q. And then I also had Erica from Urban Collective in Chicago. Nice. And so I got to have this these women here talking about food insecurities, how important guarding it is to uh, food securities and food deserts. I also had a, a discussion after that discussing um, racism in the hospitality industry. Wow. So I had people from here, LA, Atlanta, and Chicago. And so it just allowed me to reach a lot of a much broader bandwidth of people. They may not have even heard of my brand, but they love the conversation and they stayed for that. And I got more customers. I was able to retain people and retain Absolutely. also. So that was definitely the great part of it. Um, I would say as far as scaling, it has not been easy, mainly because of funding. So like I said, yeah. everything has been COVID geared and because mm-hmm. of, you know, typical standards, I don't, make the cut because I made too much money um my fortunately because my mom is no longer raising two kids by herself she has a little money to herself and so uh in December was it no in November I applied for my first business loan okay I did not get it okay I was in my bank um because while that year I made a lot of money or the year uh yeah that year I made a lot of money they went off my tax numbers from the year before which was um it's true, it was low because I just started my business. I was like, but I made this much. I was like, well, they go off the year before. So I didn't get it. But my mom was, I remember her saying, like, if you don't get it, let me know. I was like, let you know. Like, right. What are you going to do? And so she was like, because I asked for 40 grand and I didn't get it. She said, well, how much should you do like, realistically? And I was like, really, the whole 40 grand? And she said, like, I can't do that. She's like, I can do 20. I'm like, yeah, how do you get 20 wow. grand? For and so, uh, yeah, my mom. Mama's be coming through. Like, I, I will say one thing about my mom. She be damned to let me fail. If she, can, if she can help, she will. Um, and so she gave me 20 grand and I used that to um, to expand stuff. So we did like a small rebranding with uh, before. I'm doing the last bit actually now because I have my first trade show in two weeks. Nice. Um, but even from there, it's like, once again, like no one, I think there's a lot of um, investment in the startup area. So, you know, just getting your initial lineup of, uh, of products or services Right. Um, your initial like branding material your logo and things like that you should also be doing your legitimacy your legality so your llc if you do a trademark copyrights that should all be done the not well at least 
be started at least the LLC should be exactly. that phase. Uh, I know for me personally, I did a bundle deal with my lawyer. We did my LLC, my trademark together. Oh, dope. Um, but like I said, like no one really talks about the amount of effort, the amount of capital, the uh, overall work that goes into the growth and expansion phase. And I think that a lot of businesses, like even myself, I say it was a slap in the face. It's like, what, like, what do you mean? Like, how much is this? Packaging alone is expensive. Uh, shipping large quantities at a time is expensive. Yeah, it's especially expensive to do when you don't have money. Yeah, um, it's like you know, I can't hire a team. I like, I like now, but I know I need to hire three part-time people. Right. I have no funds to do so, so now I need yeah. to start fundraising sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that seems like fundraiser is not like, you know, when you were a kid and you had the, little the world's best chocolates to sell or popcorn to sell. Like, no, you're asking for six figures. Right. Exactly. What, exactly. what systems do you have? But also that too, what systems do you have in place to prove to me that if I donate this money or if I'm an investor, if right. I'm investing this much money into your business, that I'm going to get that back plus some. Right. Uh, at what point are you willing to give up some equity? Right. Um, if you are, you know, at some point you're going to start thinking about your exit strategy. At some point, I think for me, I've acknowledged that, you know, my background's in science and not business. And so there may come a point where for my business to continue to grow into an international brand that I want it to be, yeah. I may have to step away. I still have a stake in the business, but right. I may not be the owner. Absolutely. And I have to be okay with that because yeah. I have knowledge of the business where I am now. I don't have international merchandising experience. Right. And so that may be yes. that I'm at that stake. I'm going to have to take a step out. But like, you know what? I still have a 35, 40% stake in the business, but this is now yours. I still get money per revenue. I still have some rights to this, but it's no longer mine. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like a child. At some point, like, there's only so much you can do. I have, to, I have to release you. I have to let you be free and do your thing. But I think uh, also understanding that at some point, what may be best for your business simply may not be you because yeah. you simply don't have the experience. You yeah. just have a stake in the business. Yeah. But you don't, you're not equipped with the knowledge, the <laughs> network, yeah. the network to grow an international, even sometimes a national business. And that, that doesn't mean there's that's no, no fault of failure at all. It's simply right. you don't have the knowledge to do so. You were not, um, you didn't grow up in circles to be with, you didn't grow up in C-suite. Exactly, exactly. And that is okay. Um, but I think that these are the conversations that need to be happening, especially because you have, I think it was a 35% increase of businesses starting in the pandemic. Yep. And so I think there needs to be an investment in getting them out of that startup phase and into the growth phase. But when they get to this growth phase, it's not a slap in the face like me. It's just like, I, I'm like I, my head has been spinning since December 3rd. I understand. <laughs> I, I understand. You, you touched on so much, many points. And I, I, I was reading some tweets uh, recently about, you know, um, founders who exit or, you know, sell their business, um, the regret of it, right? Mm -hmm. And I was looking also, too, at versus the success of, like, the lip bar and how they've been able to maintain their ownership and heal it, right, and continue mm -hmm. to expand. And so just thinking about, like, 
how do we approach this mindset? And I think one of the things I kept saying at the end of yours is yet, right? So, I mean, everything's teachable, everything's learnable. It's like, but then it's also like, what do you want to put your energy into? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was having, I had the lunch today with one of my peer mentors too. And just like, I really enjoy the creative process. I really enjoy the scaling process and beginning to think about what's next. What I do need is to grow our team. So what are my weaknesses? How do I need to hire, you know, strategically? What are the priorities of hiring, of course? And I think um, there's so many options and availability. But to your point, since we are coming in as, you know, a lot of times first-time entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. first-time business uh, people um, continuing, like, our family traditions and legacy. Um, that there are a lot of gaps and a lot of it is just really resource gaps um, yes. who yes. can cut the check right like who <laughs> can cut the check and how do you get into those spaces especially as black people and then also specifically as black women where we're always treated to like show and prove and this is what we're seeing of course with um, the Supreme uh, Court Justice like this yes. is really like over proving <laughs> over qualified I've been able to do clearly this. Overqualified. I've been able to build a sustainable business on uh, shoestring, literally, and then create, you know, um, uh, a community and, and consumer base, and then you still got to prove. So, I, and, and there are counterparts, um, white counterparts, and white men specifically can just show up, you know, in a t shirt and just say, hey, I got it's an idea. insane. <laughs> I've literally heard a story because, of course, I worked at Brown that Brown has a Nelson Center of Entrepreneurship. And I've heard this oh, more than one occasion where some little white boy, a student at Brown, went to a cafe, sat next to this guy, they got to talking, and he walked up a million dollar deal. Exactly. And so I think that's like, what how? I, I think there's this thing with black women and black entrepreneurship and the way we approach it um, from this, you know, limited mindset that says that it's based in reality and not, it's not, it's not false, but it is, how do we begin to break that barrier and what are the conversations and what co- coalitions do we need to be a part of? What yeah. do we need to be, be building and creating? And yeah. that was kind of some of the theme around here. Like how can we uh, better support each other in in this business world and then how can we show up um collectively outside our circles to say hey this is worth investing this is what we've been able to do mm-hmm. uh with no major funding or backing imagine what we can do with some support yeah i definitely feel like well first and foremost you know creating a, a sense of equity in those kinds of spaces and so i think when we're talking about specifically the growth and expansion phase you are considering more of the VC angel investment area right. and because of that I would say more than VC it's more fiscally based compared to angel investment they're more involved a bit right um but I think the thing is actually so that's why I'm actually going to Brooklyn tomorrow I, I'm nice. going to uh Afrotech executive in Brooklyn on nice Friday. um but I just I I've been to the other one pre-pandemic uh amazing amazing network excited to go and so I just I was initially just going to go to the virtual one next month but I met Aaron Samuels, who is one of the co-founders. Yeah, I happen to have gone to a panel discussion at Venture Cap, uh, Venture Cafe here in Providence, and he was on the panel discussing, um, you know, how, where to find funds, talking about venture capitalism, and because he is a founder that transitioned into an investor, on that panel it was him, another two other uh, men, 
he was the only one that transitioned from an inv uh, founder to an mm -hmm. investor. So he had a different perspective from them. So it's actually kind of fun yeah. having him say certain things. He's like, uh, you don't do that. Um, <laughs> but it is, once again, having that authenticity, he's also the only black person on that. Right, panel. right. Um, talk to him, I guess talk to him afterwards, learn that he's actually from Providence. Wow. Um, I, told, I was like, yeah, I was like, congrats on, you know, the, the conference that I'm excited to go. And he's like, well, you're here. So just come to Brooklyn <laughs> and, once again, just opening my mouth and asking him to tell him, like, you know, how, once again, creating equity in the VC space. Uh, how do you do that? You know, a lot of times we don't know, you know, how do I inquire about an investor? I can't just walk up to be like, so I heard you got money. Can I have some? <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> um, so now how do you even approach venture capitalists or uh, angel investors, investors in general? How do you prepare for them? What do I need to have? Because you also had in the same conversation, one of the panelists, he's like, you know, I invested in two women uh, students. They hadn't even started their business. And I, I gave them, I forgot how much she said, but it was six figures. Wow. They had, had an idea. They, 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 they did nothing yet, had an idea. And I was like, I have proven work. What do you mean you gave them money? Exactly. Like, and I was like, you know, he's like, they're actually sitting right behind you. I was like, and it's, they're students at Brown. Ironically, one of them was a women's rugby player, so I knew her coach. Okay. <laughs> so we talked about her. Um, we link, we connected on LinkedIn, which is fine, but very nice young ladies, very, very nice. But even like stuff like, stuff like that, it's like, I worked so hard. I, I've managed 38 collegiate athletic teams by myself and built this. And I just built this. I have more than doubled in revenue every single year. Wow. Yeah. And I can't get a single grant. And you telling me as far as investor, you did these two little girls money sight unseen. <laughs> no I'm numbers, like, no fish tags, no nothing. I wouldn't um, even, I wouldn't even, you know, I wouldn't even send a regular proposal, like, without, like, you know, having it, like, tight um, as possible. I, I don't. They just had an idea. He said the idea was so wonderful. Yeah. But here I am thinking that I have to have a certain amount of revenue. I have to show proven history. I need right. to have my You do. Sheets, you probably do. Sheets, <laughs> I do. I do. But then talking to Aaron, just being like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how to scale. He's like, oh, you know, Trinity from Gold. So go with the supplement. He's like, he was her first investor. Wow. And he was like, well, I'll link you with Trinity. You can talk to her and figure out, like, learn from her, like, how she scales her business. Bet. <laughs> and exactly. so, and then he, we went to like, this mixer afterwards. And he, uh, before we left the main panel, he gave me his, his email. He's like, shoot me email. And so we're both at the uh, mixer afterwards. I left around midnight. He left a little before me. But I was like, um, it's like 1130. I'm like, oh, I need to email him before midnight. So it's the right. same day. So I emailed him, and I apparently crashed and fell asleep like right after I woke up, and I saw that he emailed me at twelve eighteen a.m. Nice. He responded to me like that, and I was like, "Oh, thank you." That's nice. when he was like, "Come to Brooklyn. We'll talk more in depth there. We'll schedule another time to meet again in April." I'm just like, "This, this, so, this yes." But so that is the point, right? I think this is such a great point because one of the things I have experienced um, recently too is like. During the pandemic, when everything shut down, business is so relational. You know, there is yeah. no substitute for being in person and having those conversations yeah. and those touch points. I have gotten more done over the last five weeks just going outside just a little bit, not even a lot, but like having in-person meetings, having in-person um, interactions, meeting people again outside mm -hmm. has been trajectory shifting. And so I think one of the points 
in your illustration is just saying, hey, if you're not if you're knocking on doors via email and online, you need to go to the spaces and community where people that you need are. So, uh, and you know, investing yourself. So he, he invited me to uh, Afrotech. Thankfully, I got on the early bird ticket because nice, right? It's an investment. But it's an investment. It, it is sure. an investment. But even then, once again, acknowledging the fact that where I am. Well, I have some people here that are doing amazing things. These are amazing women with amazing businesses. I desperately need to be around people that are doing drastically better than me Absolutely. because I'm in a phase where I'm learning. I've never been in a startup, been in a growth phase before. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But and, I know and to your point, you're not even surrounded by black people who are you see that are doing it in the same way. You know, as, some, I would say some are. So like some are. was on here before. So Twain is the owner of Rome Loud and her athleisure wear is now in Coles. Dope. The country. So there are some women that are absolutely killing it here. Right. Um, but she's kind of like me. We're all, we're, we're running everything by ourselves. Uh, but I mean, I think for I think once again having people that are doing substantially better than me, but not just better than me, but they've created the systems yep. where your business is sustainable without me being present every day. And that's what I need. All day, every and day. And so outside of just, you know, finding money, because absolutely I need money. Like, I feel like, what's that uh, movie? It was like, I need money. Uh, I need the funds to do what I need to do. But also just sitting and learning. I think a lot of times we, we being quiet, and just listening and learning goes a very long way. Absolutely. Um, acknowledging that you do not know everything. I know in this area of business, I don't know shit. So I, I am very much aware that I am coming into this wet behind the ears knowing nothing. And I am desperately wanting to learn how to do this because I I clearly see I have something valuable. Right. And so it'd be a shame if this kind of goes to the wayside because I, I did not take the time to learn. I didn't take the time to invest in myself. Um, in this trip to Brooklyn this weekend, I, I decided to establish business credit because the grant process wasn't working, but my business is growing and I can't risk losing my business because I failed to fund it. So right. I'm like, you know what? My credit's good right now. I'm going to go ahead and apply. I got a really good one. And so I'm like, you know what? We're going to slap it on this card until yeah. my APR is no longer zero in 12 months. We will figure it out. We'll figure it out. And but you even, will. You'll be in such yeah. a different place. And um, and I, I really feel like uh, part of that is just, you know, kind of what you were saying. You know, you're going there to be strategic. You know, uh, one mm -hmm. of the things that I was coached on very early on by one of our, my board member friends, Conrad, was like, you know, know who you want to meet in that room. Know your ask before you go in. Be very clear and concise about what you need. Have mm -hmm. your, you know, you'll have your pitch deck ready, you know, available. Um, sometimes send it as a link. Have it ready as a link. Like, those things, I think, that as Black women, we don't get that uh, mm -hmm. Like, we need to go in prepared. Yeah. <laughs> um, Especially and, when you're in a room with other, like, these, like, this is Afrotech executives. These yeah. are, are C-suite exactly. black women. Yeah. The most disrespect that you can give them is wasting their time. Exactly. Exactly. So don't come exactly. up like, hi, I'm Amber. It's like, do you know, like, do your, like, you know who the panelists are. Do at least the most, at least the most basic <laughs> research of who these women are before you approach them. Exactly. Because even for me, where I am right now, I don't have the free time that I used to. Yep. My time is extremely valuable. So you coming late? Yeah. To me, it's disrespectful. Yeah. Wasting my time? 
is disrespectful. So if you ask for my time, please utilize it where you need Absolutely, to. Absolutely, a thousand percent. And and I think the way I see it is like, what is this worth pulling me away from what I need to do for the business? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And and that's kind of how I use my evaluation. We, I think we, we covered so much about um, entrepreneurship, womanhood, all these things, and definitely um, trying to balance it all. And I think one of the, the honest pieces of it, and I think we're both kind of transparent on our social media about like, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I'm up at two o'clock in the morning. I can't figure, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still trying to balance this out. It's saying that sometimes, you know, um, there are joys in it. And then sometimes it's really, you know, uh, a heavy weight. And but we're pushing for, you know, something better that we see. Yeah. Uh, and I think for me, I've been really trying to find the gratitude of the right now, too. So mm -hmm. this is beautiful right now. Uh, look where it was a year ago, eight years ago when we started and we were able to see. So why do I feel like I can't do it now? Like I'm mm -hmm. for it now. So I think that's kind of my lens I've been working through. Um, but let me just say this. Um, I am proud of you. Uh, and how you show up in your spaces and um, I'm excited to see all the things that will come over the next year and beyond but like when I think I see like you're gonna be fine like you're gonna be fine it's a hurdle or two or three or four yeah. but they're they're nothing that you can overcome for sure and I really want to build more community and support like how we can figure this out um and and get there quicker you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. for for black women so thank you so much for being with us thank you for having me any uh final thoughts or words um just that you can purchase the teas at hey. the blackleaftea.com that does include it so the blackleaftea.com um also we just started tbo tuesdays so if you join our community which is a text feature so you just text uh 401-399-4048 you can join our community for tbo tuesdays where you get a freebie or discount every tuesday that is so dope thank you um also, i'm joined by the way thank you also i'm excited because we have a project coming up very very soon which i'm excited about um, I will be emailing you also. I just heard back from someone. Yeah. Um, oh, let me see. I think that's it. You know, just, I just spread the word. Also, like I said, my focus around is, right now is wholesale. So if you have your favorite uh, coffee shop, uh, cafe, <laughs> restaurant, boutique, hotel that you would like to see my teas in, you can just have them shoot me an email or shoot me their information. I can contact them and we can possibly uh have my teas available anywhere in the u.s uh where you are um that's such yeah. a dope dope expansion and pivot and as you you know like a great idea and i see too that you've been going to corporate events and businesses and and having taste testing i think once people taste your tea they're sold they're yeah sold. <laughs> they're sold yeah. we love i have my personal favorite what is your if you have to say hey Welcome to my brand. What's the first blend you recommend? Mm. As an intro. Uh, intro. Oh, intro. Intro. Okay. Intro, I always say either Sunday morning or salud. So Sunday morning is a blend of chamomile, orange peel, lemongrass, and spearmint. Okay. It's kind of like easy like Sunday morning. It's just a really nice calming feel to it. Not a sleepy time tea, just nice like anti-anxiety calming one. 
And then Salud is a naturally, like, sweeter one. Mm -hmm. It's a blend of honey bush, red rooibos, uh, lavender, and rose petals. It's a nice honey-like flavor with okay. a floral undertone to it. So a lot of times you use, like, lavender. It has, like, a kind of soapiness to it because it's so much. But it's a nice, like, subtle undertone. So it's just a nice, like, hint of floralness to it. So those are two, like, simpler, uh, easy way to, like, ease your way into it. Um, like more complex when like Shy Town is very complex, but is my number one seller. So good. <laughs> it's, it's so good. <laughs> and that one, I think that's one I'm the most proud of because I did a lot of work on that one. So that one is just my individual tweak on a traditional chai. Yeah. So it is a black pepper chocolate chai. Mm -hmm. And so with that one, it is Assam black tea, carbon cloves, ginger, uh, cinnamon, crushed black pepper so it's more the floral notes of the black pepper mm -hmm. and roasted cacao nibs yeah. so that one so like you said like home another favorite one it's more complex i think a part of my branding is also um accessibility yeah there's uh, a lot of gatekeeping around the wellness industry you talk about the health and wellness of the black community like i said i grew up in a food desert so there was not a, a single grocery store in my entire neighborhood but i was very privileged where everyone in my household had a car so we can go mm -hmm. up to other neighborhoods fill the fridge and come back home compared to my neighbor down the block who is a single mom with three kids mm -hmm. and on the bus how could she possibly you know go to another neighborhood and those like you know fruits and vegetables they're they're heavy and she has three babies on her arms on the bus she cannot do that yeah and i also had a garden in my backyard so i was very privileged in that way right but understanding the the significance of nutrient-dense foods being readily available in these neighborhoods, um, I think even with me, with my brain, being able to acknowledge the fact that uh, food accessibility, nutritious food accessibility is a social justice issue. It's not just providing food because that leads into, you know, academic performances, professional yes. performances. Yes. Um, it, I think that once we... Once it's my soapbox, once again, food science, food history, <laughs> this is my thing. But, I, you know, I think once we stop acknowledging it, it's just food or just grocery stores, not just the type of food that's there. So, like, we had a, we had a corner store here in New England, bodegas. We had a corner store in my block from my, my house in Chicago. But, you know, we had the candy lady. We had, you know, you get the flame of hots in the back with the cheese, the, the nacho cheese on top. I had hot pickles uh, and Kool-Aid. Yep. Uh, you get the uh, the penny candies, the snow cones in the summer, the hot dogs and stuff. But we did not have fruits <laughs> and vegetables that you should be having, especially you know in these neighborhoods. But it's once again, acknowledging that providing the two main things talk about humanity. Yeah. Or, or three, excuse me. Water, clean water. Yep. Adequate housing, nutritiously dense foods. <laughs> these are human rights. And I think that once you start to acknowledge them, acknowledge the amount of gatekeeping in the wellness industry, um, food is, is expensive. It's Eating true. well is expensive. Housing, you can see now, is expensive. Right. And so well, for me with my blends, you know, most people, they don't know what a Assam black tea or a, a Kimon snail black tea or a green tea is. But you know chamomile. You know yes. peppermint. So yes. I can get you in the door with just this and we can explore other things later. Yeah, I can do that. But Absolutely. as a Telenaji, I get to get you in the door and educate you about what these other blends are, even if you just like the flavor. That's fine. <laughs> but I, I think that, um, yeah, I don't promote any, like, medical or, like, health-related things because, like, you know, legalities. I'm not being sued at any time ever. That's not happening. So it's just like, oh, like, 
I get, I get all the time. Like, what tea can I use to like, you know, lose weight? There is no such tea that will ever make you lose fat. <laughs> no, I don't. The, the tummy, like, that's a laxative. Right. <laughs> You're losing water weight. That is not burning anything. So I think, once again, social media and all this other stuff, lack of education of the reality yeah, of these things. You know things. what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think you spoke on so much, um, and I completely agree that this is, you know, uh, a social justice issue. And I appreciate all that you're doing to close that gap, you know, in the gap that is very intentional and structural, right? So yeah, absolutely. This, they are intentionally, intentionally not getting into grocery stores and produce and the accessibility uh, that we need um, to live he healthier lives and have better health outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that uh, tea is a beautiful way both in ceremony and in pausing and wellness um, to say, hey, have my body uh, take a pause and, and, and reset and, and have some some nutrients uh, that otherwise, you know, it may not have received. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Okay. So we got the blends. You're going to you're going to uh, come in on the lewd and what's the other one? Oh, salute uh, and Sunday morning. And Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite is home, but she said that's complex, so, but that's my favorite um, yeah. uh, in Chi-Town. Um, so come, go to blackleaf.com to find her. Follow her on social media mm -hmm. at the Black Leaf T. T. Mm -hmm. uh, on <laughs> social media. Um, you want to tell them where they can find you? Yeah, so pretty much everything is just uh, at the Black Leaf Tea. The website is theblackleaftea.com. So they just, they just match. Um, like I said, join community. You can actually, you can just text me if you want recommendations for like tea infused cocktail ideas, gift ideas, any kind of questions. We didn't get to that because you talked about the wine earlier. I wanted to come back to like the, oh, the, the blend <laughs> so much. So much. We got to do part two. We'll mm -hmm. do part two. Come, we're coming okay. back. We're coming back. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll get on your calendar for you know before that'd June. be good. I I will always blow make up. time for a blow up, blow up <laughs> <laughs> sooner than later, sooner than later. Indeed, indeed. All right, this has been so good. We can talk all day. Um, we really appreciate you taking time to be with us and be really honest and authentic about the challenges and successes that you have experienced and we're wishing you so much more success in the very, very near, near future. Um, shout out to rest and um, also productivity. So um, of course, go to the blackleaftea.com right now and get you a blend. You can't go wrong. I have like six or so. You can't go wrong. Just get, <laughs> get um You'll be good. Um, you can follow Starting With Today at Starting With Today on all social media, except on Twitter, we're starting W Today. You can find out more about Starting With Today at startingwithtoday.com. Uh, you can follow me at True underscore Charlene on all social media outlets. And we'll be back next week for the conclusion with my girl, Alexia Clinton. Alexia. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so we are excited to have her. Um, there's some, you know, we know her. <laughs> um, and so I'm such a fan of her as well as a friend. Um, and so we'll be closing our Women's History Month with her. And this session, along with our previous session with Nay Marie, is already on YouTube. This is going on YouTube by tomorrow. And so we look forward to seeing you there. Check it out, share, of course, and then join us next week. All right, y'all be blessed. 
have a good one. Stay well. Take care of each other. Hug Drink your water. Friends. Drink your tea. Drink your tea. Moisturize your insides. Don't be ashy. Uh, don't be ashy. And follow Black Lee Tea because she got all the uh, good vibes and good reels. She does it amazingly. Thank you. All right. Y'all have a good night. Bye.